ready. All right. Three. Oh, my glasses. There he is. He's back. A real Steven. <laughs> All right. Ready? Welcome to our writing podcast. What's the thing when uh, you have like, it's in segments, you know, it chaps some things. I don't know. <laughs> I've never read a book in my life. Remind me of the question. It's been, we're very yeah. organized and we're done. And it's not next week. It's two weeks from now. And I messed up. <laughs> Welcome to the Write Around podcast, a chance to step away from our own notebooks and into another's. My name's Steve, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Kate and Julie. Kate, what are we talking about today? Today's episode all about conflict. We're going to introduce a couple things that basically talk about how we bring conflict into our stories. Is it a single central conflict, or do we have like multiple conflicts going on? And do we stick to that same conflict throughout the story? Basically just, you know, what does conflict mean to us? And that's what we're talking about. I guess, Julie, get us started. The first question that we're going to be talking about today is what does conflict mean to us? So when you think of the conflict of a story you've written, what kind of aspects are you thinking of? I guess we'll start with Steve. For me, conflict is kind of, obviously the conflict is the uh, driving force in every story. Without conflict, there's no reason for action. In my stories, usually conflict is more of like a, it's something that's like explicitly stated or like a, like a specific problem. It's more just like an overall, like, feeling of an unease i tend to notice in a lot of my stories an unease that there's something that needs to kind of be revealed and like this conflict kind of usually reveal it revolves around the reveal of like whatever is like the imbalance or the incongruity incongruity that's like taking place in the world that's slowly being revealed uh so it's not usually like something where there's like a specific action that is causing two parties to kind of be clashing it's usually more revolved around like maybe one character or a group of characters kind of slowly coming through the realization that something is amiss and by the time like the conflict is resolved they're like realize it's not something that they themselves can correct i know for example the story that we recently read was uh the sunken planet in that one there wasn't like a specific action that drove well i suppose there was an action that drove curious like uh, not curious uh rio down the path like wanting to like do his quest of like discovering one up but it wasn't like as if there was like something pertinent like pursuing him some overarching dangers more just he realized that in this world that he like existed in things didn't quite line up and by the time he finally got the answers to it the conflict was resolved and he realized the world the scope of it was like much greater than he could have constantly uh possibly like comprehended Cade, what do you think i think in stories that i've written and i tend to focus and especially lately i've been doing a lot more fantasy adventure kind of story so the conflict has kind of been more of like, you know, a quest, something that our main characters are chasing after or following that is really the guiding force of the whole story. Like the conflict becomes what the story is. That makes it kind of easy to kind of really elaborate and get length and substance to the things that I'm writing just because that's what you're trying to do. You're building the world around it. And the conflict is just kind of this like very central line. So everything else is just kind of building the substance to maybe this arrow, but the conflict I feel just becomes this straight line kind of pointing forward. Like the story is always going in a certain direction because I'm trying to resolve whatever conflict it might be. Truthfully, I mean, I have been doing a lot of book writing lately. The writing that I've been doing has been more focused on, I had talked about this in the past episodes, a D&D campaign, which, you know, as life gets crazier and crazier, I'm kind of focusing on maybe just a single 
story. And right now that story has been a D&D campaign where the conflict is a group of characters who I have no control over. Welcome to the world of D&D. And I am trying to tell a story. So I create just one very large overarching conflict. And that's a conflict of basically these characters being linked to a demonic god that is now controlling them and their very life like rests in their hand and they have to find a way to follow his agenda while also maybe trying to get free themselves and no longer be at the will of this demonic god. So telling a story like that really leaves it open and especially in this context where I kind of need it to be open for other people to do what they want to do. But that background threat is always there. And I guess that's Lately, how I've kind of enjoyed including conflict in it is to where it exists, but it isn't actually the central part of my story. I definitely prefer, you know, things we've talked about in past episodes where you have that character development and you have that world building, things that I find a lot more enjoyable. And the conflict is just uh, it's kind of the base of the story. What about you, Julie? I know you do some similar writings to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely do a lot of the kind of fantasy adventure type stuff too. I definitely agree with what you're saying, how the conflict is kind of like the point of the story. Like you're in a fantasy world, usually you have your main character kind of always fighting something at some point. I kind of like to think about when I think about the conflict of the story, all of the aspects and kind of include everything. So like if something goes wrong and the protagonist needs to fix that, well, I also like to think about okay, well, how does that make the protagonist feel? Like, are they now kind of battling with themselves as well as battling with, you know, whoever the antagonist is? Like, I try to incorporate different aspects to make it more, I guess, like, realistic or as realistic as a fantasy thing can be, I guess, or relatable. Yeah, I just try to think of, like, how many different aspects and what things could be affecting the main character. So, like, their environment, you know, internal battles within themselves about the situation as well as who they're facing. And specifically for the story that I'm going to be talking about today and referencing, it is a fantasy. There's kind of magical powers involved. Everybody has a power over an element. Um, and then there's kind of this other aspect where there's a darkness is kind of an element as well, but it's very rare and dangerous. So you kind of see while she's battling that, we see a bunch of other conflicts coming up as well, which we'll talk about later. So yeah, I think I like to have a lot of things going on instead of just one. I'll just kind of say and maybe brag a little bit about one of our members of our podcast right here. So Julie's talking about a new story, which we haven't introduced in past episodes or anything like that. Um, because since our last time recording an episode, Julie has written a complete rough draft and working on published version of a novel. So yes, this is you know, the <laughs> furthest any of the three of us have gotten. I mean, I think definitely, Julie, please just take a second to, first of all, congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy feat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think the podcast is working. I think we said episode one that the goal was to finish something. So yeah. I feel like I've made it. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just give a little more detailed summary. So yeah, the, it's a fantasy world, magical powers based on the elements. And then we have darkness, which is kind of dangerous and deadly kind of thing. And it's very rare, but you have we also have guilds in this world. So we have the main character as part of this one guild, which is called the Protection Guild. And then you have this other guild called the Assassin Guild, which is kind of taking advantage of the powers of darkness. Common evil things, killing people, wreaking havoc. You know what I mean? So um, As you are want to do. <laughs> yes, as the enemies will like to do. 
So um, yeah, we kind of follow the main character as she um, tries to fight against that. And then, as I said, there's a lot of different kind of side conflicts going on as well. So that's kind of the, the basis of the story I'll be referencing today. And it's like a full-fledged story. Like, Julie yes. was talking, it was like over like 130 pages, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Uh, well, I just added to it. So now yeah, I'm so, like, yeah, that's the short version of it. <laughs> it's been expanded upon. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely yeah, yeah. tune into a future episode where we talk about Julia of how to get things published, which yeah, should yes. definitely that will be a good one. We should totally Julie, do an episode. Definitely <laughs> document your process of like getting like your work like published, like the editing and everything. That will be a cool one to like kind of like track and everything. Yeah, I did actually make a separate document because I remembered when we were talking about the Sunken Planet and editing it, you guys had said you wished you could see the original version instead mm -hmm. of the edited one. We had said that. So as I was like about to start editing and adding more to the story, I was like, let me save what I already sent out yeah, an old version separate of it, document yeah. mm -hmm. and keep that so that I, if we wanted to like, it might be cool to see later. Yeah, but I did think of cool. that because I remember we said that about the sun. Mm -hmm. All right. So we can move on to the second question. When are you introducing your conflict in a story? A buildup? You kind of just throw it all in there at once. How does that kind of look? So um, I guess we'll start with Kate on this one. So we started with Steve last time. I, I love those intros where you kind of have that hook. And I, I think pulling the hook in the intro to lead right into the conflict is my favorite kind of story. There's like so many TV shows that I've definitely watched and enjoyed where you have like that first episode that really just pulls you into something. Like, I don't know why The Boys is a show that's coming to mind right now. You know, first episode, you have Huey and he's having this like romantic walk talking about the future with his girlfriend and then A-Train runs through and he's holding her like bloody hands and it's like, what the fuck just happened? That kind of intro is something that I love where you just have like all of a sudden like struck. I, I like a traumatic story. I like sad stories. It's like I I'm a fan of a story that's not afraid to steer away from a happy ending. So that definitely impacts the kind of stories that I'm trying to tell. I've talked a lot about my like horror story that I'm working on, The Buzz. The first chapter is concluding with the discovery of the eldest son's body, basically, after just killing himself. And everything leading up to that is introducing the character, and it's almost taken like a left turn. Like You realize something's going wrong as I'm leading up to it, but then he walks into his home and he sees his wife on the floor crying, and she points down a hallway to her room, and he like solemnly walks down this hallway and opens up the door to his office and sees a bloody mess, basically. That is going to lead into the entire conflict of the entire story because that's what drives it, is you now see the aftermath of after the son has killed himself, how does the rest of the family respond? So I like that opening hook. I like to bring the conflict in right away because that's what it's about. Like You can really start to build the other characters around the conflict. Again, that kind of central base point. Get it right at the beginning. Would you say that there's like even a short buildup or you just kind of chapter one put the conflict there and then kind of do the kind of backstory of it like after? You know what I mean? Like are you explaining the world first or are you kind of following up with, okay, now that you know what's happening, here's the world we're in. You know what I mean? I like to introduce the characters first. And I, I definitely think I talked about this in maybe our, our character development episode. Having like a dialogue with maybe the main character and who cares? Like it doesn't, it may be maybe relevant side characters or maybe just like a nobody, like somebody to give the main character a real personality, have the events of that 
lead into what is going to be the conflict. So maybe it starts off and nothing really important, but mm -hmm. quickly will fall into the thing that's most important. Okay. Yeah. So get your main character in there and then throw them into their action is basically what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And right. the world can come later. I, I don't think the world needs to necessarily be the first thing. Mm -hmm. Are you guys, uh, just complete side question. <laughs> Are you guys big readers? I've never read a book in my life. Illiterate. Illiterate. <laughs> oh, like, no. Like, like some people read for fun. Oh, okay. oh, I, like, leg actual legitimate question. I am, I, like, so I, I know there's, like, a debate where they're, like, listen, like, consuming audiobooks is, like, considered, like, reading. Um, I do think, like, I enjoy, like, listening to audiobooks. Since, basically, quarantine happened, I've read, like, probably, like, 30 to 40 books. If, like, you count, nice. like, the process of, like, listening to audiobooks. Because, like, I'm Dang. really into, like, like, you know, this is, like, where I'm, like, my strong feelings for sci-fi come. For example, the, we talked about Dune. I listen to, like, a lot of the Dune books. And so I notice trends as I'm listening to them. Like, okay, I usually, like, when uh, this part of, like, stories. And, like, as I get to this point, I'm usually more a little bit, like, put off or whatnot, you know? So at this point, like, I probably listen to more books than I listen to music at this point. So Wow. That's yeah. impressive. That's a lot mm -hmm. of books. Yeah, you get to catch up on things that, like, you know, like, I've always wanted to, like, read the Lord of the Ring books. I was like, I'm just going to listen to them, you know? I think that's kind of cool. I'm not a huge reader, and I'm trying to become, mm -hmm. like, more of a reader. So I would say, like, legitimately, like, if you're not, like, opposed to the idea of audiobooks, they're great, you know? So, yeah, I do like audiobooks. You guys are going to think I'm so weird, but I, when I read, I actually, I read out loud. Even if I'm just sitting oh, yeah? by myself in a house, I will read the book out loud. And I do it for two reasons. At the start of this podcast, before we started recording, I said that I'm a little narcissistic and I like to listen to myself talk. So I think part of it is maybe me hearing my own voice reading, but I think the main reason is it, it slows me down so I can really kind of get the pacing of the book and everything like that. Same thing I do whenever I edit anything that I write. I like to read it out loud, see how it actually sounds. Because I think if you read in your head, it's different. Yeah, I think that that's something that if you're writing, you should definitely do because I don't do that. <laughs> like I like how I like how words look on a page. So when I'm writing the book, I like to see how it looks. You know, I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but I don't really like say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but then like when we were reading The Sunken Planet, we definitely like caught stuff that we were like, oh, that's kind of hard to say. And like if yeah, somebody exactly. was in a conversation, they wouldn't say it that way because you know, if if you were the actual character, you're not like it's not on page. You're right. You're saying it as a character. So anyway, I definitely think that that would be a good thing to do is to read things out loud. Part of the reason, like I like I, you know, like listening and like reading does help develop your own voice because you catch on th like styles that you find like really appealing. The stuff that catches to you, you're like you not emulate it, but you kind of like realize like what has like a strong like emotional or like impact like any type of impact on you you're like okay why did that work for me you can explore like perhaps a certain author's like technique and you're like okay what is it that i like enjoy about this and go forth with that you know the question was when do you introduce conflict yeah so this kind of ties into like i have like an overarching conflict for the most part like the reader and like the characters themselves are not going to be aware of it i've noticed in a lot of my stories more like immediate conflicts will be introduced and there will be very like personal like involving like the characters and their immediate situations and as they kind of like leave through these different conflicts like the whatever they find themselves like button up against constantly like that's going to be what indicates what the main conflict that's kind of hiding in the background is like 
in the second planet, for example, the main conflict was the fact that like Rio and like the people of this planet are kind of like like yoked, like shackled to like this planet and they're not aware of it. There's a little bit of like Rio fighting against like the shackle that he's not even aware is like really there. But the way he like he's encountering this conflict is like interactions with other people who are also in the same boat but don't realize it. So he meets with uh the archivist and is like, I wanna like learn about this. The archivist is, is like a very much against that. They have like a tense situation. That conflict gets resolved like through like, you know, just like cordial like conversation went out. But so he proceeds forward and so it's constantly like a game of like trying to maneuver around like different like tense situations where he's doing something that's kind of taboo, like against like the norms of society. And so conflict arises from there and eventually it's revealed why like the norms of society are established. And so the conflict is not just Rio versus society. It's like this collection of like mutated humans against like the universe and like their seclusion away from like the overall universe. That is like not very like revealed at all to like basically the, the overall conflict that's been driving the entire story is revealed as it's like resolved at the same time the resolution being there's not much you can do about it because like we're like this small enclave so like there's no like satisfying and rio like rio resolves his personal conflicts but the overall conflict of like what do these people who are trapped on this planet do to like kind of like you know satiate their like innate curiosity that's been stifled and it turns out there's not much you can do if you want to continue living or whatever so i i think it's interesting how you're talking about that because i was just kind of thinking i was almost going to add it to the off the papyrus for later but it definitely fits mm -hmm. right now you are you write short stories you're, you're yes exactly. substance that you're creating mm -hmm. is much shorter than the stuff that julie and i are trying to create yes mm-hmm and it sounds like a lot of the conflict that you introduce is actually like for you predetermined into the world building of it. So yes, for the reader, very much so. mm -hmm. it becomes more world building is your conflict. So yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a very good way of putting it. I am like a big fan of Lovecraft. And so a lot of the times, like the, the realization the characters come to at the end is like, Oh, you know, like out there there's forces that we can't really like deal with. And so I'm not necessarily like myself as like Lovecraftian, the idea of, the nature of like the world in some way is kind of incongruous to like the way we've assumed the world is as we kind of butt up against that. That's when we're like, Oh, we thought we were like having a little squabble about like X, Y, or Z. And it turns out the reason we're having this squabble is because we're like, this should line up like this, but it doesn't. Why don't they line up? And like, you open up the door and you're like, Oh, it's cause we were like lacking information. This story that I'm working on next, the next short story I'm working on, that's going to be, hopefully I have it done by like March. It's, the concept is like there's aliens and they're discussing like this like weird type of like hive mind that's present on this planet. And so it's like an assembly of different aliens are like, oh, it's another like political issue. And they're like, they think it's like an issue of like uh, working through like interplanetary like politics. And by the time they, the story resolves, they're like realize like, oh, this whole entire thing that we're doing is kind of like a moot point because the way the universe is structured and like the way like other forms of intelligence can form is what we're doing is very niche. And what's out there is like, we can't even comprehend it. I don't want to get into too, too much with it. Don't want to spoil it. Cause like, hopefully we'll get to like explore that on the show. But I do find like a lot of my stories will be instances of like conflict or like exploration or whatnot. And then like, as like the story progresses, you're like, what is the thing that's off? And like, by the time it's revealed, you're like, Ooh, I don't, there's not even really a conflict because it's just more of like, this is like the new way of the world. And you guys are now just getting like privy to it, you know? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's almost like 
kind of like suspenseful because you don't really know what's going on until yeah. it all is revealed at the end. So yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. I think that it like keeps the reader's attention. Exactly. I think that's why I do tend to like the short form because mm. it's after a while, like it goes back to like what I always say about sci-fi. Like a lot of sci-fi is driven by that idea is like, oh, humans have a very small view of the world. And as we explore, we're like, oh, we're like not equipped to deal with it. And then a lot of times when like sci-fi stuff lingers, you're like, but then we did. And you're like, oh, no, you were, you were good before, you know, <laughs> like stop there. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's not good. The end, you know. <laughs> How about you, Julie? Yeah, I think I'm probably more similar to what Cade was saying. I'll kind of, you know, introduce the main character, the protagonist. But then, yeah, like within the first chapter of the book, it's um, like there's the conflict is there. Like you see this assassin guild and like you see that she's fighting against them. So like basically, I'll just like say what the first chapter is. It's not really a spoiler. It's the first chapter. So basically, like it introduces where like she gets this mission where she has to go to this land that's like cursed, basically, with the dark energy. And so she knows how to cleanse it and fix that. So she is assigned by her guild to go there. So you kind of already get an introduction to like what's wrong with the world kind of thing. But then after she completes that, like on her way back, she's you know, attacked by a member of the guild and it kind of, you're already getting like that action aspect. So I don't know if it's like the whole conflict, I guess, in the beginning, but there's definitely like that action element that I also like to put into. But I think that there's also other things that I introduced later. Like you'll get the overarching conflict pretty early on, I would say. But then there's definitely a lot. I like to do like multiple side things. So you'll definitely get more little conflicts as you go along. That definitely just kind of leads into our next question of the the central conflict versus multiple conflict. Yeah, so why don't you kick that one off, Julie? Well, I mentioned this before, how I like to think of, like, all the aspects that would make it more, like, believable. So you have, like, the main conflict, but then we get to see, like, so the main character is fighting against this big organization. And she's not by herself. Like, we have other characters, obviously, and she's part of a guild, so the guild is part of it, too. But, um, so we kind of see... Her fighting against the antagonist, but then you also see a lot of like, and her like internal thoughts. I put a lot of that in there and like how she feels about the situation and how like the events that happen kind of affect her. So we definitely see how in this big conflict, how it's affecting like her personally. I think I put that in there a lot. So for example, early on, one of the, like one of her, like it's like one of her students, she has students. So one of her students is like captured by the assassin guild. And so you see that as kind of a side thing because she's still fighting against the whole organization. So there's like, you know, and then once that's resolved, there's another issue that kind of follows shortly after. So I kind of think that there's the main thing. And then I kind of do little things that resolve and immediately lead into another thing. So it's kind of like nonstop little conflicts within the big conflict. I'm thinking just kind of with any longer story, I'm wondering if it's possible to really do a very like a like a long you know, maybe 300 page novel where you don't do that, where you don't have these yeah. like side conflicts. Cause I definitely do that too, right? You have mm-hmm. your central conflict that's guiding the story, but then yeah, a- along the way, these right. mini yeah. conflicts yeah. is what's really just driving the characters. So it's kind of almost seems impossible to stick to just one central conflict. I can't imagine it's like, if it would be just one conflict, it would be one action. You know what I mean? Like one prolonged action, like 
Sisyphus and like the story of the boulder is one conflict. And it's like he rolls the boulder up, you know, and they, you know, the second that you have like multiple steps that need are required. Like, the only way it could be is like if it's like a very simple action, you know what I mean? So yeah, what length can you give to that? Like, I guess I think of so many. I'm trying to think of like a great example, but there's some shows where you have like this central conflict mm-hmm. and then like maybe let's say it's 10 episodes. So like episode one introduces main conflict and then you have eight episodes of mini conflicts with yeah. maybe like a sprinkle of the main conflict. Like you're kind of hinting that the story is moving forward. And then you have the finale, which in that episode yeah. resolves the main conflict. The way they often tell stories like that is like you get like hints to it throughout, but ultimately you had an intro to the conflict and a resolution to the conflict and it was solved in like 40 minutes. But I just watched a All right. eight hour <laughs> journey. Yeah, I guess I never like really thought about it, but that's definitely what I did in this book. Like there's like the conflict and they're like, this is bad. And then, like, at the end, it, like, gets resolved. But that's all you really hear. Like, there's kind of some sprinklings. But, yeah, I definitely would say that's completely how my story goes. (laughs) Like, exactly. I have one. Okay, I just thought of an example while I was kind of pondering this question of a story. And this is a a show, actually, but it's based off of a book. The, The Haunting of Hill House. The story is fantastic. You have every character has conflicts, Mm -hmm. but ultimately the story really is just a central conflict of these kids' lives were fucked up when they were kids and you see them as kids and you see them as adults. So every episode kind of tells a story of as a kid and as an adult, but this central conflict truly is this house messed them up and the story is fantastic. Like it's you know, I think a lot of times horror is not a story. There's a lot of horror stories that are like nothing to write home about. There's a lot that are. And I, I think this is one that does a fantastic job at creating this kind of central element of conflict of this house that carries on throughout. And every episode is just kind of really focusing more as how that happened. It was a limited story. It's not designed to go on forever, but of course it isn't if you just have that one kind of conflict. So I guess it can be done. And that's kind of. The only example of shortly thinking about it that comes to mind. I was thinking of two stories. Like one of them, I don't even know if like you could really. So uh, I believe it's uh, called like the, the Mending Wall by Robert Frost. It's a very, it's like a short story in which two neighbors, they're fixing like a wall that got blown over like during a storm or whatever. And so they're picking up stones to repair it. And he's like observing his neighbor. I don't even know if there's like really a conflict per se. It's more just like an observation of the neighbor. He's like, the neighbor, he's like. Like an oaf, I guess. He basically he's kind of like brutish, whatnot. So he's like picking up stones, like by the top of, like you know, like palming them and whatnot. And he's like building these walls is like, is good. That way we can be a good neighbors. Because like if we didn't, we wouldn't really get along or whatever. So, but the other, so like, but that's not really. I can't even think of like a conflict in it. Not an observation of event. So that's like a no conflict story. So not really what we're looking for. The other one, I'm not sure if this is the exact title, but it's like the ones who walked away from homeless. I believe is a story, and so. That story is like there's a utopia where everyone's happy, society's perfect, and the way that they're able to maintain this is they have like like a person who's like locked up in a closet. They're not allowed to see sunlight. They're kept in very terrible conditions. People knowing that this one person is suffering so much, they're able to enjoy their lives because they're like, oh, at least I'm not that person. There are people who observe this and they're like, I do not condone this. I'm gonna like walk away from this because it's like abhorrent or whatever. And so that is a singular conflict that's revealed within the short story of like 
face with this and knowing that this is the price of like a utopia, would you be okay with it? And when I like, it's the conflict of like each person that observed this, whether or not they decide to like continue forward with like the society that they enjoy. Not really like a conflict where like individual characters take up action. So I think like what I'm like learning is like if you're going to have a story where there's like a singular conflict, it's not going to be like really observing singular characters because there's not room for like character development in just one action. I guess that's like kind of like what I think would be stories that are conducive to like a singular conflict. Kind of moving on to like your answer to this question of how do you do it? Central conflict versus yeah, multiple mm-hmm. conflict. You write short stories. So I think it's probably much easier to stick to a central conflict. Would be yeah, but even in my story, like in none of the stories that I have. Oh, actually, okay. There is one story that I believe what I thought of that would have a central conflict. It's more of like a parable, though. I guess parables have a singular central conflict now that I think about it. Like stories where like something happens and like you learn a lesson from it or whatnot. But this one is like there's an island of like animals um, and they all can communicate with each other. And on the island, there's like two animals of note for the story. There is one that is like called the bull. It is like a large white bull with a bush for a head and horns that have blue flames atop of it. And so all the animals look for it because it's very wise. And then there is another animal known as the liar man. The liar man is just a human that can only speak in lies. And so something happens and they accuse the liar man of doing something. And the bull says, oh, the liar man is telling you the truth, but in reverse. So just listen to the liar man and he'll tell you what happened. You just have to like think of the opposite. So there's no like conflict outside of like, Basically that, like the, the events of the story happen, he did it and then the bull like resolves it. So it's more of like kind of like a little story with like a lesson, it, you know, that's more of like, you know, like a parable. And I think that would be conducive to being a single conflict story, but none of my other stories I can think of are single conflict. So we just did the sunken planet. Like what we had the central conflict of, so, so yes. as the reader here, mm-hmm. we have the central conflict of Rio Duvac is trying to find information yeah. mm-hmm. on information that is not publicly accessible. Yeah. I, so I guess that's like where it gets interesting. Cause like, I don't know, like, I guess that would be the central. So for framing that as that's a central conflict, the resolution would be he finds the truth and it's not what he's expecting or whatever. I was thinking of it more as the central conflict is that there is this planet of people who have been against, like, without their knowledge, kind of, like, blinded to the outside world. And the uh, resolution is some members of this, like, planet realize, like, what lies outside the world. And they're like, oh, that's, like, terrifying. It's, like, humanity. We're not part of that. We're actually not humans. But either way, in either scenario where the the central conflict is uh, Rio Duvac searching for information, planet, like, being, like, blinded to, like, the reality of, like, the universe... The way it's like played out is like through Rio's like interaction with like the archivist or him trying to convince uh, Yusuf that like we should do this interview my way. No, like let's do it this way. And he's like, eh, you know, it's not like they're not like tense conflicts, but they are like situations where Rio has to kind of like navigate like what he wants without like putting himself in danger. Because if he slips up and like people are all like, oh, dude, you're, you know, you're not supposed to look into this. You're going to like be detained. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more conflicts in The Sunken Planet, if you, like, really think about it. Because I also thought that the world was the central, like, the whole thing is, like, the society in general is kind of, like, almost a central concept and, like, understanding it, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and most people in it don't even realize that they're in, like... Right. Like, they don't realize that there's something amiss. They're just, like, made docile to, like, 
you know, they're not, they're not curious at all. Those who are, they're like, they have, they're looking in the wrong direction. I think like every interaction is just like a side, like a side conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. It's very much holding the line of like, oh, is this acceptable to say in society? And it's not, but how do I get away with saying it anyway? You know? But definitely seems like we're just kind of saying, and I I do agree that conflict, how you view Mm -hmm. as you're writing is basically just the entire like propelling force of the story. So even in like a short story, you're going to yeah. have multiple conflicts because that's just I what I feel like in a short story, you're is. more likely going to have like only conflict. I feel like in a longer form story, that's when you can have moments of rest. Like I think in, for example, like the Lord of the Rings series, there's obviously like the central conflict that we need to like stop the forces of a uh, Mordor and whatnot. But like there are times where like there's merriment, they're like catching up, learning about each other's past and whatnot. They're, like there's opportunities where they can rest and like you get to like build character in ways outside of simply watching how they deal with struggle. You can also see like how they deal in times of rest or how they're like helpful to each other and whatnot. Whereas in a short story, you don't really have, at least in the short stories that I write, there's not much time to be like, after a long day, he kind of kicked up his feet and said, you know, uh, that was kind of interesting. Let me go over my nose, you know, like stuff like that, you know, it's more of just like, there's not that much real estate to kind of explore in more detail. So let's just hit the main points and the main points are going to be where is attention? How is attention resolved? So next question is concluding your conflict. How do we do that? We've kind of already talked about this. I've had like one story where I do think I had a very clear ending in mind. And that was the the game, which they're all they're playing this game in this estate, trying to figure out some powerful artifact that they don't even know what it is. And I knew what it was the whole time. And it was like, that was, you know, that's my, my little twist in here. And in one of the chapters, it's kind of written purposely confusingly. Like you're kind of like, wait, what happened at that one part in the chapter? Because you're looking at a moment where time has kind of shifted because the artifact they're getting is a device that lets you go back in time, but not consistently only one single time. So you can basically go back to a moment in time to alter what happened. Um, The main characters of this book are two brothers who are leading this organization of thieves that are playing this game and they're running through these like tunnel system or something like that. And they get separated and you think they're going to go different ways, but then the other brother actually circles back and like reunites with the brother. And it's like, why did that happen? You don't see what happens because he runs away. You're, you're focused on the brother that's running this way. And then he's reunited. And we wait until the very end of the book, the conflict resolution of my main central conflict point, which, spoiler for a book that I will probably never finish at this point. Oh, this is exciting. I now get to tell the story. What they're looking for, that's what I said, goes back in time a single time. But what we don't see, what's not written in the book, because this is the timeline that wasn't told, when the brothers split up on this path, the younger brother, or actually it's the older brother, um, actually gets killed. And isn't able to go. But what we see happen is the two brothers reach the thing at the end of the game together. The brother is the older brother who, you know, died in the alternate timeline is looking at this and he's like, we can do this with this. And he's getting all of these ideas because he learns what the device is. But the younger brother is like, no, we can't do any of those things because I already used it. I went back in time to save you. So that is a story where I did. I I was directing the story to go in that direction because I knew what my ending was. Other times, though, don't always actually have a clear conclusion in mind. And sometimes I like to kind of see where the writing process, because that's that's kind of the process that I love so much about creative writing, 
is you can kind of just like sit back and I kind of find that sometimes I, just, I can just roll with it and I can just kind of get into this flow of this story, which is probably not the best in terms of storytelling, but in terms of just like the enjoyment of the process is really enjoyable because you can kind of go with it and it builds the story as you're going. You kind of make these characters come to life. I've kind of reached points sometimes when I've done writing where I've let the characters kind of tell the story to me almost like I'm it's it's very very cool I don't know if you've ever had any writing like that Julie but it's it lets you get into a groove of writing that's just fun oh yeah I feel like that's like the ideal like ideally that's how you're supposed to like write especially like if you're like doing something that's very character driven because after a while if a character should have like life of their own you're like well I wanted them to do this but at the point, I know, Julie, you've talked about this in the past, like why you're so, like, your writing process is so iterative because you're like, well, at this point, this character would never do that. Even though that's what I had planned, like, why would they do that, you know? Yeah, I, like, don't really outline very much. Although I did kind of make an outline when I was writing this book. I feel like sometimes I make it go one way and then in the outline then I'm like, this isn't. I will say in the research that I've done, like, about, you know, book publishing and, like, books and stuff, um, it's definitely like I think that we're not in the majority. Like I think everybody outlines and like goes on their outline, like Steve does. I yeah, I, I would agree. I, I yeah, think Steve and apparently the majority are are correct. <laughs> I do think that if you have full intention of you want to do a writing that you want to get published, outline, get an idea of like you know, at least that central that that baseline conflict that you're designing. Design it from beginning to end. Figure out, because, you know, like I said with the TV shows, it could only be 40 minutes of content. Who fucking cares what's in the middle? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I will say the outline is good, but that doesn't mean it can't be iterative. Because if you have an outline, you're like, okay, I'm making a character. The outline is like, these are the events that happen. And like, and you have in, in your mind how the, the events resolve. But if you're like, as like you see how this character is developing, you're like, well, this... You don't want to do the thing where you force it because that's when you're like, oh, why would like we we've all like read books or seen shows where like, oh, at this point that character that's something that the character would have done like maybe at the beginning of like the story, but like it makes sense like maybe like for example Jamie from like Game of Thrones like at least in the show he goes through like this uh giant like progression of becoming a better person at the very end he's like fuck it I'm gonna do it again he just goes back to like like you're like Lang hey you're like wait hello <laughs> what's going on here you know yeah so I get like. Don't like, what you do, Julie. I think is like very smart. Where it's like the characters have changed, though. So like, what they're going to do is changing, and so we're going back and like seeing what they would do, and like, oh, and now they've changed more because of this or whatever, you know. Don't so switch authors at the last chapter. <laughs> yeah, good lesson. We yeah, all that away from the great idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's a conflict. That's like a meta conflict, you know. How about anybody else? How, how do you how do y'all conclude conflict? So for me, it's interesting. I think. I was thinking about it, and I feel like, in my mind, a lot of my stories, the characters have like a very similar expression every single time. And so I'm like, well, how do I get them to like, I'm always imagining like, always like, there's a moment where everything's coming to a head and they realize what's going on. And they're like, horrified. And they're looking out like their mouth's like a gape or whatever. In my mind, it's always like, something's coming towards them. And like the screens fade into black. But it's not like, in some scenarios, it's like a monster, like in like the Wolves of Winter story. It's always so like it's always like kind of what we talked about before was like the resolution is always them being like, oh, this is way bigger than I thought was going on. And so it's like that's usually how the resolution is. It's like I do like when a story kind of it doesn't end 
and a neat like and then they all lived happily ever after is more of like and then like reality became a little bit more clear and in that regards a little bit more terrifying you know because i do think like i think about it like i think just generally like it ties into like a little bit of my worldview is like where we don't know anything about like what's going on in the universe at all and so like it, the more we learn like the more we're going to be like our presumptions which were formed on like this one speck of dust in the universe are going to be proven to be like way off base and so if we do continue to become like more enlightened and like get to see more of the universe we're going to be like shocked by what we see out there or even like what we learn about our own like selves you know so i I love the idea that steve like when he's doing his outlines has like a vision board and the the conclusion is just a a painting of like the the, you know the screen painting (laughs) Yeah, exactly it's this in my mind it's always the scream, but we're standing behind the scream. And so we just see the hands going up and we see like the back of their dome as like they're looking out into like, for example, like outside of like their spaceship, they're seeing like that, like they're seeing like a planet. They're like the, what they realize about this planet is like terrifying. And I illuminates so much like the universe. They're like, Oh my God, we are screwed. You know, uh, every short story Steve writes is like, I don't know how we're getting there, but the ending is this. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I'm imagining, like, Rio Dubek, he, like, learns about, like, he's like, yeah, actually, like, yeah, there are, we, people have explored space. We've even explored space, and then we were kicked out from, like, the rest of the reality. And so, out there is, like, an infinite amount of humans that want to kill us, and, you know, we're just trying to keep quiet. And he's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? This is not what I wanted. Yeah, he's like, I just wanted to, like, read more of these cool books. <laughs> I only got the first couple books of the Lord of the Rings and I can't see what the conclusion is. How does the conflict resolve? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there are some short stories, but they're kind of like they deviate from like what my typical stuff is. And those ones for wouldn't have like the shock, like, oh my god, what's going on? But it, okay, there's one short story. I don't know if I ever write it because like the format is kind of like very goofy. It revolves around like a couple of uh it's like a species of like giant space beetle analog. It was Are giant space creatures that like yeah, are yeah, beetle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, in in that like story, like the far like the farlings have like the, the way that they like reproduce is like they like lay an egg inside of like a planetoid, and them introducing organic material into the atmosphere is what kind of like starts the process of life. And so Earth is one of those planets. And so it's being told in the story of like, like the style of a documentary. And it's like, and here we see the budding planet Earth providing the proper environment for the uh, the infant hatchling to one day emerge from the crust. And like so like sh- the people on Earth will be having that moment of like what's going on. But like it's being told from like the perspective of like, isn't the universe fascinating? <laughs> you see, you know? That sounds so great. You got to write that one. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, man, I would love to read that. <laughs> it's hard. I don't know how to write it, you know? I, I love the idea that like you're going to talk about it periodically throughout this podcast. And one day it's just going to be written. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, oh, guys, I wrote the, like the Farling story, you know? In my mind, it's like a David Amberrow like uh, like documentary. He's like, here we see a mother falling entering the atmosphere of a recently formed planetoid. Right. Watch as you yeah. know. So, what? Yeah. Everybody's like, wait. <laughs> Billions of years they shall call this planet Earth. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, you sh- you should have been a writer on a uh, Star Trek. I feel like a lot of your ideas are like. That would be cool. That would, that, see yeah, that? I, mean, I think basically, like a lot of my stories are just like, yeah, that'd be the dream, dude. Yeah, Ooh, great for know? Star Trek. Do they still make new Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, they make the movies in there. They're, oh, that's true. The new. There is a new Star Trek series that's going on. There is a new Star Trek series that's going on. Yeah, I forget what it's called. I think it's called the uh, the Enterprise. I think is like what it is. Oh, I think you're different. right. I don't know. But yeah, but there's something that's like on a streaming platform or something like that. So, Julie, let's. Uh, have you have you discussed your your conflict resolution? So, if we're talking about both of the book I finished and then the factions that I've mentioned before, I feel like they both kind of end in like a like a battle, you know, like a final battle, which I feel like is very like a fantasy thing to do. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. have like. But it's, I guess the people. Yeah, die. I definitely have like final battles. I think that's like anime inspired too. Um, but yeah, so I definitely have kind of like a final thing. But I like at the very end of the of things, I like to kind of leave it like leave the reader kind of wondering like what are the characters doing next. So like at the end of this book, you have all the final battles and all the final stuff. But then like there's kind of like a conclusion type chapter where you see like what happens after that battle. And then at the end, it's kind of like the main two characters decide that they want to continue their journey. Like, but what are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like it kind of leaves it like a little bit open and like wondering what's going to happen next. Well, post credit scene for yeah. book yeah, two. Yeah, right. There, I would love to do a book two for this book, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> but anyway. Just well, make sure sounds- the series doesn't go too long, girls. I'm going to hate it. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't give up. But he's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> like, we get it, Julie. There's, you know, there's an assassination guild. What's next? <laughs> a right around podcast where we talk about book one, book two, but never fucking book three. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like with books, too? When it's not like exactly a sequel. Like, you don't really need to read the first book to be able to read the second book. So it's kind of like you have the first book and then the second book is maybe like in that same world, but it's like really different characters, like a different aspect of the world, like totally kind of separate, but it like takes the same world. I like that. I've read a couple that are like that. So. I, I agree. I mean, like, I remember like that reminds me of a lot of like when I was younger, um, there's like some like book series where like, sure, there might be like a continuing story that's happening. But like, for example, like the Magic Treehouse books or like um the wishbone books i used to like love those books but like i never got to read them like in sequential order and so even like some books that were meant to be more sequential i'd like still read them out of place because like they would still be their own self-contained story so as you can get like a general passing understanding of the characters you could hop in and like read like any one of them you know some of them might be more like overarching but like yeah i like that because i think if you have the same because if you're doing like a true series where you have to read them in order, then you basically have to have some kind of central conflict that's going through all of those books. And I feel like that's that's probably why you feel like Steve on series that it drags out because it's like, how are you talking about the same conflict for like seven books or like five books? So it's like, yeah, I like that it's a little more separated because I feel like it can keep your attention a little better. than. Yeah, I think that's kind of like, so like the second book that I have in mind for the one that I finished, like you have... The first book that I wrote is kind of all centralized in this one country. And then the idea that I have for the mm-hmm. second book is kind of like her then traveling to more of like the world. So it's kind of like yeah. You know what I mean? Because then I think it's different enough, but you don't really need to read about the first thing that she cares. Because like, now you're learning about the whole rest of the world. You know what I mean? That's definitely a trope that's used in a lot of different stories where like, it's kind of like, here's, I think so. Like, here, here's this idea, but now like, Bigger and you're kind of like, you kind of like the same conflict though. Like I would have a totally. I'm saying like like the base idea. Sure. Like okay, okay. like you you're like you know story one is here 
story two is here. Like you expand on the world a little bit. And I think stuff way. like that kind of shows like a good character growth. It's like the amount of power she has is like, she ha- can like influence so much more now of everything that happened in the first book. You right. Know? Right. Uh-huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It also goes to character development, you know, cause now yeah. they're expanding their own horizons into anyway. No, welcome to off the papyrus. Off, off the papyrus. Off the papyrus. Welcome to Off the Papyrus. <laughs> All right, I just got a couple quick ones. So the first one was like more f- for Steve. So we were talking about, I mean, Kate can chime in too. So for like the audiobooks, do you feel like you're like missing anything like when you're just listening to a book as opposed to reading it? Because like I like can't pay attention when people like, with just like the audio. Like I don't know. Like I'll be driving and then I'll just totally zone out. I have no idea. You know what I mean? So it's like, like yeah. you like really grasp the book that way yeah oh yeah, like no definitely like um i i do like so i like at first i was kind of like am i not going to be able to like so the first audiobook that i got into it was a complete collection of hp lovecraft's like works and so and it was produced by like the lovecraft society and so it's like they're they like each episode starts with like an eerie music like today we'll be doing Ooh, you know, like oh, and like, and so like, they're like, isn't there? It's not just like you and I, like, no, no, knock to us, like, just reading like my short story. Like, they'll like get into character. Like, it okay. it does a good job of like, for me, like, I think like I do, you know, like when I read a book, I do create like an image of like what people sound like or like what the environments look like. And so when people are reading it it does kind of like wrestle away a little bit of that agency. You're like, okay, this character is supposed to sound like this, but it's not like I'm watching a video. Okay. For example, like it's kind of like the difference of like, like when uh, the Dune movie, like suppose even if it was like a one-to-one recreation of it, the way the universe looked did not match with like what I imagined it, but like, that's not like a bad thing, but it is, that is a different process. Cause like my mind isn't like now no longer creating this imagery and whatnot. Whereas like, if I'm listening to the audiobook. It's still like doing the process of like creating the imagery of like, okay, like they're describing like the descent into the mountain of madness. They're not like see Link One for what that looks sure. like, or like in the audio book. Okay. So like I still have to like imagine like what like like the elder things look like or whatever. It's been a while since I've listened to it. And yeah, whatnot. I I think I I agree, Steve, because I, I, that's kind of part of the reason why I read out loud. Like it mm-hmm. gives voice to okay. characters. Yeah, yeah so exactly. I, mm-hmm. I I also I agree. I think I prefer an audio book. Mm-hmm. I do still read like physical book, but like I it really is like it takes a lot of time. So it has to be something I'm specifically like I want to like read this physically. And like there are times where like I have like a book that uh I will either read them at the same time or i'll just be like i want to keep reading this but like i like like i think like the mars trilogy behind me i read the first one and it's like the book was like amazing and the second one i wasn't getting into it as much so i was i was finding like i wasn't having any time to like read it i wasn't setting time aside to read it but i was like i still want to know how this series concludes so i was like okay if i listen to it it's not an act of me actively having to be like set aside time i can like listen to it passively and so I, st- I still retain all the information of what happened within it, but I don't have to be like, I, it, I think it makes it easier for me to read, a, like, enjoy a story if I'm not, like, 100% into it, because it's not, I'm, like, setting aside as much time, you know? Like, even if I am just, like, laying down, I do a lot of times I'll just, like, lay down and listen to the audiobooks instead of, like, doing anything else, but it still feels different as opposed to setting aside time to, like, read it, you okay. know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. You got any others, Jules? Oh, yeah. The other question was um, for both of you guys. So... When we're talking about like having multiple 
things going on in Australia, like multiple conflicts. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever feel like there can be too many? Like, how many would you have at a single time going on? Or like, when does it get too busy? You know what I mean? I'll just kind of give a quick answer here. I think I try to resolve conflicts, like the little conflicts, as they come. Like, I think the little conflicts are, like I said, the driving points. So you kind of take a little conflict, let's see how far it gets you down the story, and tie that up in a way that probably introduces the next conflict. Like, you kind of do like a little like baton pass of conflicts okay. as you make your way so to the You're just doing end. like two kind of big one, little one at a time. Right? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Basically, yeah. I don't think I really. And the only time is like, like I said, I like to do a lot of, um, in past episodes, I like to do stories that really character focus. So one chapter is on the viewpoint of one character. Um, so maybe like you'll have an ongoing conflict exist with this character. And then in a completely different part of the story, a different conflict. And maybe at the end of the, both of those chapters, those conflicts don't get resolved. So to the reader, there's multiple conflicts going on. Like really in the story, it's not overlapping. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, it's definitely different for me, Joy. I want to hear your thoughts on this because, like, you are also the other, like, long-form, like, fiction. So, like, I think, like, especially because you have, like, I know, like, when you're talking about factions, you'll have, like, multiple characters who have their own conflicts. And so, like, you're tracking, like, one character's conflict versus another character's conflict while there's still this overarching conflict. My stuff is very small scale. So, like, there's not even that much room to have, like, multiple conflicts running at once. You know what yeah. I mean? But, like, so I'm very much like I'm, like, the story is told. There's not going to be like too much conflict as long as like the story doesn't like persist too long. Yeah. There is. So there's like, like the wolves of winter story. I, that one I'm planning on writing it this year. That's not one of the three I'm planning on writing this year, but, um, I, is it? No, it's not. But for that one, like the idea is supposed to be like, it's taking place over like this span of a few months and they have to like make sure they have like a certain number of things completed by the end of like these, uh, by the months. And so each one of those is going to be a point of contention between the two uh, individuals in that story. So I'm like, how many of those instances of like contention do I need in the story to like kind of establish the characters, like personalities and like how they clash and like build up the tension of like, oh, there's like only one month left before like, the wolves approach or whatever, you know? So, yeah. But what about you, Julie? Like, I, you know, like kind of like talking about what I was talking about before, like you are the one who have like the branching, like character, like arcs that happen all at once, you know? Yeah. I think that there is probably like the, so I think it's more of the main conflict and then a side conflict that's like going on similar to what Kate was saying. But I also like to have, like, I want the characters to be relatable and I want them to be like, like like to show their like humanness Mm, kind of and like so i think there's a lot of like internal conflicts that's also going on so maybe that's like three things going on because it's like yeah you know they're in the middle of rescuing whoever but then like in the meantime like this character is you know struggling with how they're like feel powerless in the situation you know what i mean like you also get their like emotional conflict so i guess yeah, yeah, so I guess that'd be, like, three. I don't know. That, no, that's a classic, like, way of, like, structuring conflict within a story. It's very smart, because it's, uh... You have the overarching conflict, which is, like, the thing that's got resolved. You have the characters that don't have the tools at the moment to uh, resolve that conflict. But as they are faced with different, like, trials and tribulations, it hardens them, makes them, like, tougher, so they become better characters who are now equipped to handle 
that final conflict. So I know I think that's like very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't work well in a team. This thing happens. They now can trust this person. Right. Now they work well in a team. They can handle like the big bad. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. No, that's very smart. I like that. All right. What do you got, Kate? Well, concluding here, um, because I think it's probably time to just about time to wrap up. Uh, Steve, what are we talking about next time? Oh, next episode is going to be a very interesting one. We're actually doing our first guest appearance. A close friend of all of us is Ryan is going to be joining us. And we're going to be talking about alternate forms of, uh, you know, the creative process. He is a big uh, D&D fan. We also like is a part of like multiple podcasts, like with a few of us. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good, like a lighthearted episode. We're just going to like, I don't know, just shoot the shit, you know, like uh, it'll be a good episode. Tune in. It'll be a fun one. Yeah. Ryan's just, a good guy. Uh, could I maybe just do a quick little plug here? Yeah. Um, oh, of course, yeah. go ahead. A podcast that I have started with Ryan um, and my my cousin Zach, where called Not Three Bad, where we review movies. We're going to talk about basically other creative processes, such as other D and D campaigns and other podcasts, and this podcast itself, and the yeah. stuff that we've done in creating. It. If you think we talk about D and D too much on the podcast already, get ready. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. happening. <laughs> I finally but, get my moment to shine. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for joining us for this episode, and please join us next week. Bye. Bye.